want to talk about stewarding our time this morning. It has been a, it's been a great week, a relaxing week. Um, family and I took uh, a couple days and went down to the beach. Um, I got to say that that is uh, possibly one of God's greatest things is when we see scripture where he separated the waters from the land and that place where they meet is, is, um, is special. And I also told our deacons that uh, um, you ought to know how much I love you. Because when we were there, there was a new building going up for Island Baptist Church. And I'm pretty sure I saw a sign that said a pastor was needed. And I didn't even give it a second thought. Because I love you guys that much. But I will say this, when talking about stewarding our time, it's not in the message this morning, but you need to understand that there's time for rest. And if you're living your life where there's no rest, then you're not stewarding your time very well. You need to have a moment to step away. Jesus himself had a moment to step away. We find in Scripture from time to time that it says Jesus left the crowds and he went onto the hillside. To spend time with his father, to spend time in rest. He was fully human. He needed rest. We should take note. That's free. You get that this morning at no cost. I want to talk this morning when we talk about stocks and bonds, times of investment and times of indebtedness. I want to talk about time this morning. Homiletics is the art of writing and preaching sermons. For those of us who are educationally trained in the ministry, we have a class called homiletics. In this class, before ever approaching the task and the art of sermon preparation and delivery, we must ask one very important question. Which is more important? The preparation of the message or the preparation of the preacher? And for the majority of us in ministry... We find that God is often more concerned with preparing us as messengers through the text than He is in preparing the text through the messenger. In one of my favorite books, Why Revival Tarries, Leonard Ravenhill puts words to this idea. We have too many dead men in the pulpits giving out too many dead sermons to too many dead people. The word does not live unless the unction is upon the preacher. So preacher, with all thy getting, get unction. Well, the Lord has given some unction to this preacher this morning. I want to be vulnerable for just a moment, if I may. When we begin to discuss the stewardship of time, as Paul would say it, I am the chief among sinners. The Lord has brought me low in order to show me the true meaning of what it means to steward our time well. Much of what I will share with you today from Scripture, the Lord has been in the process of whittling down in me first. This message has been born out of the preparation of the preacher. Men, let me speak a special word to you this morning. As a dad... As a businessman, as a husband, as a friend, 
And as a follower of Jesus Christ, there is a world of excuses, a world of cop-outs, and a world of traditions that will keep you from stewarding your time well. Any pursuit into justifying time not stewarded well will cost you. It will cost you your health mentally, physically, and emotionally. It will cost you your marriage. It will cost you your family, and it will cost you your identity in Christ. You were made for more than just the status quo, men. You were made for more than financial pursuits. You were made for more than the weekend hobbies. You were made to be a man of God in your home, a man of God in your work, and a man of God in this church. Now, as we continue our series, let's discuss stewarding our time well this morning. If you have your Bibles, take and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. When you get there, if you would stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read verse 1 and I'm going to drop down to verse 15. The Word of the Lord says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, we ask that your word would come upon us. God, we ask that you would speak. We ask that you would give us your spirit to help. God, I pray that we would be found stewarding your time. God, I pray that we would be found faithful in stewarding what you have given us. Speak to us now, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. A man was taking it easy, lying on the grass and looking up at the clouds. He was identifying shapes when he decided that he would talk to God a little bit. God, he said, how long is a million years? God answered, in my frame of reference, it's about a minute. The man asked, God, how much is a million dollars? God answered, to me, it's but a penny. The man then asked, God, can I have a penny? And God said, in a minute. There are a few things that we must understand about time if we are to assess how we are doing at stewarding our time. And many folks look at time differently. But this morning, I want us to understand a couple of things before we dive in. First, is that God sees time differently. We must understand that the God we love and serve exists in and out of time. It's that big church word used to describe Him, omnipresence. 
You see, time is infinite for the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. God looks for substance in the midst of time. The happening of time. That's why Peter wrote, a day is as a thousand years to the Lord in 2 Peter chapter 3. And he followed that with verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. God sees time management. God sees time stewardship a little differently than we do. God is seeking the substance of the time. The second thing that we must understand is that the time we have is not ours in the first place. A young man came to W.E. Gladstone when he was Prime Minister of England and said, Mr. Gladstone, I would appreciate your giving me a few minutes in which I might lay before you my plans for the future. I would like to study law. Yes, said the great statesman. You'll study law, and what then? Then, sir, I would like to gain entrance to the bar of England. Yes, young man, and what then? Then, sir, I hope to have a place in the parliament, in the House of Lords. Yes, young man, what then? Then I hope to do great things for Britain. Yes. Yes, young man, and what then? Then, sir, I hope to retire and take life easy. Yes, young man, and what then? Well then, Mr. Gladstone, I suppose I will die. Yes, young man, and what then? The young man hesitated, and then he said, I never thought any further than that, sir. And looking at the young man sternly and strictly and steadily, Gladstone said, Young man, you are a fool. Go home and think your life through. Folks, we are living on borrowed time from the Almighty. Scripture tells us time and time again that our days are numbered. God in His sovereignty and omnipotence has only allotted so many days to each of us. They are not ours. We cannot buy and sell them. We cannot trade them or trade for them. The time that we have is God's time for us. We have been privileged with the opportunity to steward the time He has given. Let me say that again. We have been privileged with the opportunity to steward the time that He has given. So how then do we steward the time that God has given us? I'm glad you asked. Let us look at the investments that we need to make in our time and the shortfalls of debt that we must avoid with our time. Investments of time that honor God. First, time in the Word. Time in the Word of God is a wise investment of our time. Look at verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I can think of no greater piece of literature, no greater text, no greater book that could tell us what the will of God is for our life than the one that is sitting in front of you right now, the one that I am holding, the holy word of God. I can think of nothing better 
to teach us what His will is. I can think of nothing better to teach us how to steward our time. Let me just admonish you with this. Let the Word of God demand your time. Like an addiction, let your time in the Word of God govern the remainder of your day. Let it affect the innermost and the outermost parts of you. Let the Word of God be your meditation. Let the Word of God be your mediation. Let the Word of God be your medication. Let the Word of God consume you. The flowers will fall and the grass will wither, but the Word of the Lord will endure forever. Christian, invest your time into something that is already guaranteed for eternity. You know, in the investing world, you always want to put your money on a sure thing. It's never good to have all risks. It's good to have things that are solid and secure. That is the Word of God in our life. The Word of God is your insider information on life. It's the thing by which you can live the rest of your life. Invest your time in the Word of God. Invest your time in the Word of God. Secondly, invest your time in worship. Invest your time in worship. Look at verses 18 and 19. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Worship. I bet if we took an honest poll... We would struggle in this area. Because let's be honest with ourselves. Aside from Sunday morning. When is the only other time or the other times in your week that you spend in dedicated worship? I'm not talking about just turning the radio on Kayla. In dedicated worship. A moment where you have set aside and said, Lord, I'm going to sing your praises right now. When is the last time that it even crossed your mind in the midst of life to worship? Talk about make a melody in, in your heart like this verse says. That song gets stuck in my head every time I hear it. Maybe it's from my days in VBS and children's ministry, but all I can think is make a melody in my heart. I just sing the song in my head. And then all of a sudden I'm walking through Walmart and I'm trying to do the motions to sing the song. And I got my tongue hanging out, if you guys know what I'm talking about. Trying to sing make a melody in my heart. But when is the honest time that we set aside in our day to worship the Father? 
I don't know if you guys know this or not. I'm about to drop some great scriptural, spiritual insight in your life, okay? I don't know if you knew this or not, but we are going to spend the rest of eternity worshiping the Father. We're going to come before His throne because that is all that we can do. There is nothing else that we can do on the other side of eternity to sing the praises of the holy, most righteous, most amazing thing that we have ever seen or laid eyes on in our life. Aside from the fact that from this earth, He saved our souls so that we didn't have to spend eternity apart from Him, and we owe Him absolutely everything, we're going to spend eternity in worship. We might ought to get practiced up. I love what Paul says here. I want you to see the immediate alternative that the Apostle Paul gives us. It's an interesting use of text. It's an interesting phrasing that he puts on here. He's, he's gone through in verses 3 through 14, and he's talked about uh, the different things that we do not need to do. But he brings one of those down to offer a contrast here. He says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I thought it interesting, and so I began to think about why he would use this, and it began to overtake me what worship does to us. When life offers opportunity with which one could get drunk with wine, the alternative that honors God is worship. So let me lay this out for you a bit. When life is hard, sing His praises. When life is easy, sing His praises. When your heart is broken, sing His praises. When life is worth celebrating, Again, sing His praises. When misery is all you feel, sing His praises. When memories are too hard to bear, sing His praises. Think of any reason to drink that you find in a country song and instead sing His praises. It is the God-honoring alternative. Being drunk with wine will make you do things that you normally wouldn't. Guess what? so will worship. Being drunk evokes emotion. Guess what? So does worship. You see, Paul had this thing figured out. So let me ask you, what are you turning to with your time instead of worship? Where is your time spent when life gets hard or when it's really easy? You see, are we investing our time into worship? I don't care what music you worship to. As long as it is scriptural and God-honoring. I don't care the manner in which you worship. As long as it is scriptural, spirit-led, and God-honoring. Christian worship through the tears and worship through the laughter. Worship through the pain. 
and worship through the triumph. Worship in the deep, dark night of depression. Let me get real with you, church. This is where the Lord had to prepare the preacher long before he prepared the sermon. I love what Psalm 57 says. David understood this idea. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge. I cry out to God most high. To God who fulfills his purpose for me. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lay down amid fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows. Whose tongues are sharp swords. But be exalted, O God, above the heavens. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed again. They dug a pit in my way. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. And I will sing and make melody. Awake, my soul. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. And I will sing praises to you among the nations. When you're in the darkness, sing His praises. Worship in the midst of depression. And worship in the midst of great joy. Worship in the mundane. Invest your time in a worship instead of worry. Invest your time in a worship instead of work. Those two things get a lot of us. When, when life is hard, worry begins to set in. And for some of us, when, when life is hard, what we do is we try to work harder. When life is hard, we try to push everything out and just stay head down, pushing forward. We try to get things done. We put all of our time into that. But instead, we should invest our time in worship. And we should invest our time into worship instead of the world and its vices. Let me tell you something. The, bottle, the bottom of the bottle can never make you feel as good as sitting at the feet of Jesus. No drug could take the place of the exhilaration of worship. We must invest our time in worship. We must invest our time with other believers. Look at verse 21. I love that Paul puts these little things in here. Addressing one another in verse 19, and then he says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Not only is there a time investment in the Word, not only is there a time investment in worship, but there needs to be a time investment in your life in other believers. The time investment of community. Investing through discipleship. Investing through evangelism. The lost deserve your time. Investing through teaching. Investing through hospitality. Investing through parenting. Investing through communication. You know what's interesting about the gifts of the Spirit? All of us have been gifted in some manner. We've been gifted in some way. God has intricately put into us things that we are drawn towards, that we are inclined towards, that He will use for His glory. But something interesting about the gifts of the Spirit 
is that they all have to do with other people. There is no gift that stands alone as a self-serving, self-involved action. If I sat here and preached to myself, I'd be a lunatic. God has told me that I must preach, and therefore I will preach to people, because that is what He desires of that. If I sat and taught myself, y'all would think I was crazy. If we had Sunday school rooms where it was just one person by themselves, we would say, oh, bless their heart, wouldn't we? It's designed for other people. The gift of prophecy is designed for others. We have been given things that are designed for other people. We must invest in other people. It's one of the hardest things for us to do, though, isn't it? We can give time to the Word because it's just us. We can give time to worship because it's a normal thing. We come to worship on Sunday morning and it's even normal now to just sing in your car. I mean, people get that. That was one of the greatest things about driving on vacation is watching people in the cars around you. There's some that are just like just very somber and just mouthing words to songs. There's some that are just jamming out. I mean, just rocking it. I was that guy. Sometimes it's just easier to worship than it is to get with other people and talk about Jesus. This is a difficult one because a lot of us haven't been trained in how to do that. We don't even know how to do that. We don't know how to take somebody and walk them through what it means to follow Jesus. We don't have the words to say. Some of us, because we even struggle with that ourselves. But we must be willing to invest into people. We must be willing to put what God has given us, what God has graced us with, the experiences in life that God has ministered to us through. We must put those into somebody else. We must invest in other people. Thank God for the people that invested in my life. That poured truth into me. That poured prayer over me. Thank God for them. There was people in your life that did the same. Why do we let it fall short when it comes to us though? We must put time in. We must give our time to the Word, our time to worship. We must give our time to others. I want to talk about a few things to avoid. Indebtedness to avoid. When it comes to our time, the first is unwise ventures. Verse 15 is huge, heavy for such a small sentence. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. When it comes to our time, listen, you can lose a lot of time 
venturing into unwise things that are not in the will of the Lord. Just ask the millions of folks who walked through the wilderness for 40 years and never got to see the promised land. I love how in the Proverbs, there are so many do-nots and warnings. I think that King Solomon understood that there is much in life that we can waste so much time on simply because we do not cling to wisdom. Unwise ventures. What are some things in your life that take a lot of your time away? Think about it. Second is foolish expectations. Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So much of our time spent is around foolish expectations. We get an idea in our head and we try to chase that idea. And what happens is is we spend time that we don't have waiting for something that's not going to come. We waste so much of our mental time, so much of our time that could be spent focusing on the Word, so much of our time that could be spent in worship or in other people. Spend so much of it in foolish expectations. Here's one that the church has struggled with forever. Foolish expectation number one. We expect lost people to act like saved people. And we've wasted a lot of time on it. Haven't we? We've wasted so much time thinking that in order for people to come inside these doors... That we've got to take them through an extreme makeover in the foyer just so they can come sit in our pew. We've spent so much time in debate because we think that a lost government, a lost nation should act like a Christian one. We've wasted so much time trying to doll up the world rather than just telling them the truth. All because of foolish expectations. Lastly, selfish ambitions. Verse 20 and 21. Giving thanks always and for everything to God. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another. This idea of you before me. So much of our time spent can end up leaving us indebted to selfish ambitions. I could work through the laundry list of things that are taking your time away from you, like TV, your phone, the boat, shopping, bitterness, vengeance, laziness, just to name a few. But you already know that thing or things in your life that is keeping you away from your marriage keeping you away from your family, from your church, and keeping you away from your God. 
If at no point in your plans for your life, there is a statement that says, if the Lord wills, then my friend, I would suggest that you are in debt to your own selfish ambitions. And my charge to you would be as Mr. Gladstone's. You fool. Go home and think your life through. One of the coolest things that we got to do this week, one of the fun things that we got to do this week while we were on the beach. As a guy, I love building stuff. So we built sandcastles. It's awesome. It's fantastic. But also as a guy, one of my favorite things is Demo Day. Any Fixer Upper fans, we love Demo Day, don't we? All right, take a sledgehammer, kick through some walls, let's do that stuff. And so Dre, in making sandcastles, Dre got the fantastic idea because he's my son and he just channeled everything that I put into his brain. He got the awesome idea to take one of these sandcastle buckets, one of the big ones, and run down to where the waves were just barely coming up and throw it down and put it down and just wait. what happened was, is those waves kept coming in. And we got to watch something that we built be destroyed. It was awesome. But something very interesting about that kind of stuck in my brain, and, and, this, and this is why. One of the things about being in debt with our time, whether it's pursuing unwise ventures, whether it's foolish expectations, whether it's not using our time well, whatever it is. The one thing that I noticed is that we often can't see it. When we're in the midst of pursuing something that is not the will of God, it is really hard for us to see what it is doing to us. As I watched those waves, those small, little, itty-bitty waves, maybe an inch high off the sand, would roll in underneath those little forms that were built. And slowly, by slowly, by slowly, it would cut away at the very bottom. There was never a wave that came and engulfed it and just took it over. No, it was small little increments that finally brought it down to destruction. That's the way it is with our time. We lose our time by small little increments. Let me challenge you. I want to finish with a few things for you to consider to help you better steward your time. First is this, make sure that you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior and that you are fully submitted to His Lordship. Because apart from that, anything you do will be empty and vain to redeem your time. All of life comes down to that one thing, whether we know God or not. 
all of our eternity, the bigger part of our time depends on that one thing, whether we know God or not. Make sure that you've trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Second, and this is something that I, I, I want all of you to consider doing, doing this week. Write out a one-sentence purpose statement for your life and two or three short-term goals that will help you move in the direction of that statement. I know this is homework and I'm sorry, but it will help you tremendously when looking at how to steward your time. If you take everything in your life and hold it up against that one sentence, you will quickly see the things that can fall away. Quickly see the things that you are indebted to in your time. Third, clear your life of clutter and the busyness that do not relate to what your purpose is. We would find so much available time for the Word, so much available time for worship, and so much available time for investing in other people if we would simply declutter our lives. You would be surprised. You'd be surprised how much time you can spend in the Word when you're not on one of these. You'd be surprised how much time you can spend in worship when you're not sitting there with one of these. You'd be surprised how much time you can spend with other people when you're not focused in on the things that you're doing. Fourth, figure out what God has gifted you to do and begin serving Him now in that. Don't wait until some better time in the future because you may never get to such a time. Start now. What is your mission field? Who are the 8 to 15 people with whom you have regular contact that you can influence for Christ? God wants all disciples of Jesus to help make disciples who make disciples. What has God gifted you in and are you using it right now? And lastly, and this one is very important. Listen, don't despise the mundane as the place where God wants you to serve. You don't have to go to the mission field or go into full-time ministry to serve the Lord. You can serve and glorify God daily in your present place, in your present circumstances. How are you going to steward your time? I would challenge you one more time. As I challenge myself, you fool, go home and think your life through. Let's pray together. As the worship team plays and sings, Many of us need to spend a moment and let the Spirit speak to us. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you could probably sit here on your own. You could probably sit here and figure out 
all of the areas in which you haven't stewarded your time well. It's our nature to be efficient. And so for that, we, we, we know how to govern our time. We have habits that we can create. We have things that we can change. We have productivity tools that we can use. There's an app for that. There's an app for everything that you want to do to manage your time. But what I want you to do this morning is I want you to sit and listen. Listen for the Spirit to speak that to you. Because the Spirit may have one thing. That God is desiring for you to change when it comes to your time. And when you change that one thing, God is going to honor that and bless that and use that. For some of us, it may just be a switching of the mindset. Maybe the things that we spend time in, we have been using for our own purposes and and God wants to take those and redeem them for Himself. It's not bad to have hobbies. What's bad is when they take the place of God Almighty. It's not bad to have possessions that require your time, but it's bad when they take the place of God Almighty. Maybe God wants to take that and use it for His glory. Finally, you might be sitting here, and that first thing that I said at the end is where you're at. Nothing else matters when you try to manage your time if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've got to settle that once, right now, before you can ever begin to use your time in the Word and in worship and with other believers with with any type of efficiency or effectiveness. You've got to know Him. I want to offer that opportunity. As they sing and as they play, You're in prayer. If you want to come to know Jesus, you come and take this preacher by the hand. Say, I want to be saved. We'll talk you through what that looks like. Counsel with you on that. Help you in making the greatest decision you'll ever make. As they sing, every head bowed, every eye closed in prayer, ask the Spirit to speak to you. Ask the Spirit to show you Where am I losing time and where does God want me to be with my time?